lay out until I die, but bitch, LA is where I lay at. My children gon' be raised at, where they gon' place my grave at. Since Magic bought the team, it brought new meaning to that LA hat. Shout out to the blocks, Inglewood, Compton, South Central, watch. My home, my home, That's where I stay at, nigga. That's where I lay at. All right. We are here talking about the National League. We did it. We're talking about the National League West. Made it through all the divisions. We got to arguably one of the more definitely top-heavy, definitely fun divisions uh, at the top at the very least. Uh, A division I'm excited to watch games be played in, uh, specifically between two teams. Um, Do do you see the, the, the Dodgers and the Padres? Do you anticipate them being able to establish a legitimate rivalry? Uh, it is, it's interesting to say because I think temporarily, maybe, maybe. Um, there, was a, there were hints of it last year. I think that series where, where the Padres, they beat the, they beat the Dodgers. I think whatever that series was where, where um, Trent Grisham hit the, um, the home run off of Kershaw, there fe- it felt like there was, there was something going on. There was like some kind of level of, of that uh, happening. Yep. Um, but, you know, I, I think they, there's always just going to be a limit as to what the Padres can do in terms of competing. Like we should say, this is the best Padres team Probably in their history. Yep. And they're projected for 10 wins less than the Dodgers. It's absurd. But so, they're still so good. No, they are good, but the, the Dodgers are projected for 104 wins. So when, when we say that, you know, like it's not very, unfe- it's not like unreasonable for us to say, okay, they can win 104 games. They've won that many games before in regular season in recent memory. They're, when they're projected for that many wins, that's like the 50th percentile outcome. So, so like they they can like they can win like 110, 115 games like they're that good. So, um, I I think, and from that respect, rivalry is a tricky word because I don't think the Padres are going to win the division maybe in the next five years probably, if I had to say. Say say we say Machado starts like amping up his heel tendencies or Tatis like fights Corey Seager. Then do you think well, we're establishing something? Well, Seager Seager's bad choice because he's he's gone. After this year, yeah. Okay, so uh, we gotta do. Tatis fights Mookie. Never would happen though. Tatis, Just, would, yeah. Machado fights Bellinger. I don't think it would happen. I feel like they were they were like buddies. They played on the same team for that for like half a season, right? Yeah. I don't know. I I just um maybe this is the problem. Austin like, Nola fights Austin Barnes. I could see that. That I could see. And then we'd have um, a real rivalry. Yeah, that'll the media will pick that up. You'll make national headlines. Yep. The backup catcher for the Dodgers fought um The starting catcher for the Padres. I think this is it brings a good point because there there is a, an element of uh, people projecting what they want to see very badly here. And I'm I'm among that. I, I want the Padres to be really good and I want them to win ninety five games and make the playoffs and, and um you know, maybe make the World Series and win the World Series. What do you mean? What but, what are we projecting onto the Padres? There, there's a buzzsaw in their way, and they're just never going to be that good. This is probably now or never for them, I think. Um, I mean, I shouldn't say that. Their farm system is great. Obviously, they can. They, they've, they've, uh, you know, shown shown some flexibility really in, in how they can, uh, you know, move pieces around. But and they know the left side of their infield for the next eight years. That's true as well. Um, uh, but I think. Um, maybe it's just a lot to ask that they have to go up against probably the best dynasty of, of the 2010s, <laughs> you know? And it's so it unfair. It doesn't seem like it's going to end, too. Like, I mean, the, the the Padres have the second best farm system in baseball, according to Fangrass, but the Dodgers have the third best. And it just feels like they're, they're, they have figured it out. Whatever the grand plan that, that Andrew Friedman had for this team when, when he took over, like, they are they're a machine. They're a machine. They they have perfected Moneyball. They've taken you know a strategy that that small market teams use to get ahead of the big guys. And uh, you know they as the, the chief big guy in the league have perfected it. Have have molded it into into this kind of um, impenetrable force. That's what it feels like to me. Yeah. No. You're a hundred percent right. It doesn't mean I don't 
Okay, yeah, so I'm doing exactly what you said a lot of people are doing. It doesn't mean that I don't want you to be wrong. Like, I don't get me wrong. The Dodgers are fun. They're less fun with Trevor Bauer, but they're still fun that, you know, like Dustin May and Tony Gonsolin uh, don't make your rotation because you're that good, and Gavin Lux doesn't make your starting rotation or your starting lineup because you're that good. Yep. that That's pretty fun. Kershaw's great. Bueller's great. David Price is your goddamn five starter. Like, they, there is just so many pieces about the Dodgers that are easy to like, uh, and they are so unbelievably good. But I, you want, I, maybe it's it's just a narrative that I, I'm, except, but like, it's a, it's a narrative. You want to see the underdog take down the big guns. And I think when the, when the Padres are doing what they're doing, which is so fun, it, it, one of the most fun off seasons for a single team that I can remember, because it wasn't about signing people, it was about trading for people, which is awesome. And they just, were creative and they got Blake Snell and they got you Darvish and I want them to be so good because I want them to dethrone the Dodgers who have been so good I really appreciate the Padres not just saying okay it's not our time because the Dodgers are so good let's try let's let's try yes and that that's not that's not a good enough reason I think yet yeah, to, to not go for it but I, I think you'll find a lot of teams in in um, the NL West saying that. And if, if that's your reason for not competing, you won't be competing for a long time because the Dodgers, they're always going to win 95 plus games, really, um, until something drastically changes or shifts in the power dynamics of MLB. I, I just really think that they're, um, as I said, just they're going to be there. So you need to figure out a way to adapt. And I think the the Padres have um, shown shown kind of the best strategy for, for this. They, they had, had a failed rebuild Spent a lot of money, errant uh, decisions, and uh, it almost broke this team in the in the mid two thousand tens. And they rose from the ashes of that, if you will, with kind of a second rebuild. And they developed the, one of the best farm systems in baseball. Then, you know, I, I think for the past two or three years, they've been kind of like the sleeping giant in weight. They signed um, Eric Hosmer, uh, Machado, and then people were kind of wondering when their time would come. And then really quickly like lightning yep, quick exactly year, it happened and and they they like you know you look at the team and they're you would just say like oh they're a catcher away they trade for austin Nola. Yep. it's like oh they're a, they're a starter away they trade for mike clevenger and just the 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 ferocity with which it happened i think exactly. really excited people and then you know to they lose in the division uh the division series and pe- people the main thing that you're seeing is that their pitchers just can't go and they can't do it obviously clevenger gets hurt but they just don't have the depth yep so what do they do they, they trade get, for blake yep. snell and you darvish that's not going out and signing taiwan walker no that's that's great and the thing is i mean they gave up some decent prospects but they, they keep still... their they keep their top guy yep mckenzie gore they keep him and and he could be an impact player as well he's a very highly touted prospect and uh, they're positioned in, in a really nice place because of that. And so I think it, it is not that kind of like death by a thousand paper cuts thing of, that the, of the Dodgers where they, they feel inevitable, where it's just like, oh, they, they, you know, like they signed this failed reliever and turned him into, you know, a bullpen ace. Oh, they signed Max Muncie and Max Muncie has an 160 WRS. It's not that. It's, it's, it's really flashy and it's lightning quick. And um, it's you don't really know what's going to happen when AJ Preller is as at the helm. He, you know, kind of famously is just a bit of a lunatic. Doesn't yeah. really like sleep very much and is is out making moves all the time. And he's clearly very committed to making this team a elite team, which I think he's done. But the problem is that um, he's done it in a division with the the most elite team as well. And I think the the, the biggest the scariest piece of this for me, if I'm a Padres fan, is accepting that one i have to play in the wild card game i have to play in a one game winner takes all scenario just to have a chance to keep playing and then after i win that game i have to face the dodgers in the first round of the playoffs you know you darvish goes the wild card game and then i i can't wait for for that th- that playoff series of Blake Snell versus whoever starts game one, probably Walker Bueller, and then you know you Darvish probably coming out for game three to keep them alive after he pitched the wild card game, and then either getting to go back to Blake Snell or getting to use someone like 
Denelson Lamette or Chris Paddock, whoever has the better season this year. It's so fun. It's so exciting. Um, I just wish I wouldn't have to play the Dodgers in the first round of the playoffs. There's a very, I, I I would say it's a kind of likely chance that the teams with the two best records in the National League, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was the major leagues, play each other in the first round of the playoffs. Is that bad for baseball? It, it, it is kind of embarrassing to think that like the the Cardinals or the Cubs or whatever could skirt into the playoffs with 84 wins or something like that. And, um, you know, then play the Mets and have a better chance because you're playing the Mets and not the yeah, Dodgers. So- so I, I think you you could make an argument that 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 is not it's not great, but we we've seen it happen. We've seen it happen, and um, uh, I think it was 2015 when there were all three teams in the uh, the NL Central won like 97 plus games or whatever. So um, you know these things happen, and uh, I think a a big product of this is that they play in I think kind of a, a pretty weak division uh, apart from the two of them, and. That 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 is probably a lot where a lot of these wins are coming from too. But that that's just this is just going to be the reality. I, I I think that's just what teams in the NL West have to accept. That if you want to compete, you need to just not um, kind of view the Dodgers as like you you can't view their timeline as something that's going to be moving because it's not move it's not moving. They're going to be competing. Not at all. They have the resources. They, they, their intention is to compete and put a championship caliber team out every single year. And it's it's kind of gotten to that point where, where they're at the level that the Yankees are at in that respect. I'd say them and the Yankees are probably the only two teams who probably expect to have like a championship team every single year. Um, but the Padres are they're, they're doing the thing, and I mean they, they have a, the they thing. have they have a chance to win the division. It shouldn't it's it's not a non-zero chance. I mean we've seen it with the Dodgers. I think. Um, what was the year 2018 or I, they the, the came really off of slow that. start yeah they they were like 500 through like a month or two months or something like that and then you know they still made the world series so yep. i don't know um yeah i i, I do think it, it it i don't know if you agree but it does feel like we've gotten to a point at least for me where it's hard to talk about one without even mentioning the other uh yeah i i think it's it is it is difficult they, they have to be viewed in that context of, of each other i i think i i i like to appreciate both of them separately i think they both have their their different stylistic play styles what do you like more if you had to choose um you know what you might make fun of me for being an la transplant and just being like a, a dodger guy at all i will sudden, but yeah I, the dodgers are just no one plays baseball like them it, it just you watch a dodgers game they're and, a machine and yeah, it's it's like you don't like you look at the lineup every day. It's like it could be a new lineup, and it's like five new guys who are studs, and you know, like they'll have a defensive repl- like every inning, someone will be playing a new position. It feels like, and they have so many guys off the bench, and I, I just like think having those guys like Kike Hernandez who's gone, um, Chris Taylor, Jock Peterson who's also gone, but like they 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 create these kind of players, and you know, Max Muncy is is in this vein too, where he can play multiple positions as well. And I, I just think that, that it's such a dynamic play style. And, and, you know, to their credit, I think the Padres have some of that now with, um, you know, Cronenworth seemingly out of a spot of the infield, right? So where is he going to play? He might kind of encompass that Chris Taylor, um, Max Muncy type role. So um, I'd say for that reason, I really like watching the Dodgers play. Um, part of that is just because they have a great broadcast. But I mean, so do the Padres. So who knows? Yeah, don't sell Don Orsillo short. I'm not, of course. Yeah, I'd say they're probably like one and two for me. In, I mean, no, no. We'll say Mets is one. Um, we could, I could go like three. And I love that. Oh, I can't remember the Padres color guy's name off the top of my head. But I love that he doesn't wear a headset. I love that his thing is like he's just got a mic in front of him. It, it feels classic, and I'm a big fan of it. Wow, I didn't know that. So he just like can't be commanded. He can't be like told what to do. Like if someone's just, he like, might. Hey, ma- I wonder break. if he wears an earpiece that is like not detectable. But he definitely doesn't have like a full headset okay. on. That's good. Yeah, I like I mean, it. You know, does he have hair? Is or is he bald? No, he's bald. That makes even less sense. No, maybe it slips off his head. Maybe it's a his head gets sweaty. <laughs> there's some moisture, and the he, he can't keep the headset on. You should just tape it on. Yeah, that's a good idea. Some some head tape. Yeah, I mean he's bald, right? You don't have a chance. It's yeah, like what's gonna happen? Out. He's not gonna rip a hair out. Yeah. Yeah, he'll be fine. What do you think of the the Padres rotation? Honestly, in its in its entirety, what do you think of it? From from one to five. Yeah. I feel like you're leading me into something that I don't want to get trapped in. I think that it's surprising that Joe Musgrove is their three-starter because I, I've never fully bought into Joe Musgrove. But uh, 
the only thing I'll say is I'm worried about the depth. I, I don't. I, it doesn't seem like they can really go past five. That's what I was gonna say. I think that. It, but maybe we see Mackenzie Gore. Maybe we do. Maybe we do. And um, they, they, the Padres have not have shown kind of like a. You know, they they called Fernando Tatis up when when um when he was ready. They didn't game his service time. So I think that that that's something that they probably will do if it feels like he can help. But like you have to wonder him being so young, um, if that is actually something that he can do or if if he will make that kind of impact. Uh, what I was gonna say is I I think um obviously you know. Uh, I think a lot is riding on Chris Paddock and and seeing where what the direction of his career will be and um, if if that 2018 was kind of um, a bit of a or was it 19 whatever year he was he was like an ace for the first time 19 uh, 19 yeah um, if, if if that if that was the flash in the pan and in his last year where he looked you know pretty bad. Um, was the re- was the reality? Um, obviously, the small sample. So, but I, I think yeah, I, I'm totally fine chalking that up. No, I'm t- I'm fine chalking that up to to small sample and unpreparedness. I, I think there's so especially for a guy coming into his second year, like you get you finally get into like maybe that little bit more of a routine of spring training and then throwing 160, 170 innings, and then you have to you know you have summer camp and you have all these different factors that are playing in that are so. Uh, different than a regular season. You know, maybe I'm wrong. I, I'm very willing to admit that this could be wrong, but I, I'm I'm taking very little stock in last year, for especially for young guys. I Okay, so I agree with you, but then I think if you say that, you have to really kind of look at Denelson Lamette's 2020, and, and do you believe that that's the kind of pitcher he is? No, I don't. I think he's a two-pitch pitcher, and I think he probably had a... a I think he's pretty good, but I don't think he's great. Yeah, I mean, people have been talking about him going to the bullpen for... Um, years at this point, it, it feels like so. I mean, that could be a reality if he doesn't, if he if he's not able to kind of replicate that that season that he had. Yeah, he had some some pretty good luck with his home run rate. Uh, I'm looking at it right now and dropped considerably. So he's that, also that 28, be, turning 29, which I 100 percent did not know. I did know that, but yeah, he he's kind of a late a late bloomer for yeah. sure. I mean, he was he was tremendous. He's older than season. Joe Musgrove. Well, that is surprising, actually. He's older I mean, than Musker, Blake Snell. That I don't. Yeah, I, I believe that. So you okay? You think Joe Musgrove? You think Joe Musgrove is older than Blake Snell? Sure. Yeah, relatively. I mean, hold Snell. Snell's like twenty-seven. All right. So Blake Snell's birthday is December fourth, nineteen ninety-two. Okay. So, uh, yeah, so is Joe Musgrove's. They have the same birthday. Same year. That's amazing. <laughs> I wonder if this is the first pitching staff that will ever have two people born on the same day. You have to believe that that's not true. There is no way that that's true. There's 365 fact, days and so many years that a guy could be born in, and then there's five pitchers in a starting rotation. Why Why is we, that so impossible? We obviously don't have the time, but I wouldn't be shocked if there's another one in MLB like right now. Same year? Oh, same year? Yeah, that's tough. Um, same year. No, same year. Same year is tough. I w- but I, I, it, it's definitely happened before. It's definitely happened before. I wonder if that's play indexable. I think it they might played, be. They played, just you have to remember when you ask these questions, they've played so much baseball. They've spent so many years playing this stupid game. It, everything's happened once. They are twins, and if there is not like a, a night where they are the where there's like Padres twins night like dad's twins I don't know there's got to be something they can do there That's not but, how twins work dude How did what do you mean <laughs> I don't know to Blake Snell Joe Musgrove twins I think we need to play up the marketing on this one a little bit and I don't know do the we're in spring training right they've gotten to know each other a little bit do Blake Snow, Snell and Joe Musgrove know they share a birthday No I'm no, going to say I no. agree yeah that, I mean Blake Snell, all right, Joe Musgrove didn't get traded to the Padres until January, and their birthdays are in December. I, I, I think it's very unlikely that that came up in casual conversation. I, I agree. I'm, I, I was going to say, it would have to be like their birthdays passed when they were on the same team or something, or like, I don't know. I don't know how this works. Like, I'm going to tweet at them and ask MLB them player? and see if they know. That You're doing God's work, honestly. Um, wait, but, okay, another question I have is, um, you know this. I mean, you and I have this conversation Pretty often, it feels like. Do you think Blake Snell's overrated? I think we're gonna find out this year. I think that's a bad answer, but I think we're I think gonna find I out think this he year. is just. I think he's just flat out overrated. I think he people think he's not young. That's yeah. 
Yeah, no, I know that. I know that. He but he's never pitched. Young. He's never pitched 200 innings in his life. So he. I mean, I feel like you can't be an ace if you if you're not. And like he's not on the race. He's this. He is not going to get that same bullpen help. And he. he That's why I said I, we're going to find out this year. Yeah, we will. We will find out. We will find out. And I, I just. Um, it, it certainly is. It's good that they got you, Darvish. I'll say that because if they just had Blake Snell, I'd feel I'd feel a little bit worse about this team. Yeah, me too. And I I I would also say next year I don't think they lose anyone who's uh, a name. If I'm correct, I don't think that any of their players' contracts are up except maybe Will Myers, but I have to look into that. Um, and they get Mike Clevenger, so definitely a window this year, but like. Clevenger adds another level next year. I mean, but that that's there's a lot of questions. There's a lot of questions. We'll see. We'll see how he is. I mean, they tried this game with uh, Garrett Garrett Richards and it didn't work. So they 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 signed him to a two year contract when he was uh, injured with Tommy John and then it just straight didn't work. So now he's now he's pitching for the Red Sox. So I, I think that's just too it's too long. I mean, obviously it's a good move, right? He's 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 not making very much money at all. So yep. you absolutely take take the flyer on it, but. It's uh, if I'm them, I'm sure it's not something that they're kind of penciling in. He's going to be there. He's going to be our three starter in 2022. Yeah, I fair don't think enough. That's All right, uh, we spent a lot of time on those guys, but well deserved because they're the only interesting pieces of this division. Absolutely, yeah. Do you even want to talk about the other? Yeah, I think we have to. We've talked about we, if we talked about the Tigers and the Royals, we have to talk about the Giants and the Rockies and the Yes, no, they're definitely more interesting than than those teams. Absolutely. I want to start with the Giants. I found one thing that I found interesting. I'm going to run it by you. Okay. Uh, have you looked at the rotation? I have. Kevin Gaussman, Aaron Sanchez, Anthony DiSclefani, Johnny Cueto, Alex Wood. Besides Kevin Gaussman, who's a a big, I think, fantasy guy this year. I think people are pretty high on Kevin Gaussman this year. Uh, Sanchez, DiSclefani, Cueto, and Alex Wood all throw pretty consistently a sinker. It's at least a pitch in their repertoire. I found that interesting in a in a such a, a I mean they brought they made it a little smaller but it's a big ballpark and it makes me wonder if if there's maybe something uh to to the soft contact ground ball approach with all those guys. Yeah, well, I mean the the book has been on, on the sinker that it that it is um, kind of a, a pitch that everyone is moving away to, right? So all, yeah, these, exactly. all these pitchers all these pitchers that that you you see have kind of a career revamping like, you know, Charlie Morton, Garrett Cole, I think uh, like Aaron Sanchez. I think wasn't that Aaron why the Sanchez, Astros got yeah. him? They yeah. wanted to throw the fastball more, and then pretty much the first thing they tell you is throw your breaking ball more and throw your sinker never. And um, that's really how all these kind of these pitch revolutions, like these 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 players who reinvent themselves, that's how it begins. And um, I think you know broadly the philosophy for that is that hitters are swinging up on the ball and they're kind of looking to drive it out of the park, and sinkers low in the zone don't really work in that way they don't induce consistent ground balls because their hitters aren't looking to really cover the whole the whole plate they're looking to cover their sweet spot and if the pitch is there um in their wheelhouse they're, they're gonna hit it very far so that is that is the thinking so i think you're right they play in a big ballpark and we will see we will see how that works similar to similar to the cubs though where we were talking about how they have all those uh soft throwers soft contact you know dependent guys I don't know if it's intentional. Fair enough, and and don't get me wrong. I mean, like uh, Alex Wood, I'd say is a sinker baller. Uh, I, I'm not sure I'd say that about the others, but uh, more at least more than ten percent. Some you know, Cueto was thirteen percent last year, but that was the lowest in his career. Um, so uh, they, they they most of them ten have it at least ten, sometimes fifteen, sometimes twenty, sometimes forty, like an Alex Wood. And then uh, the offense is just. Uh, the remnants of 2010, 2012, and 2014 still somehow. They are old. Yeah. They're, they're... so old. And it's not it's even just... like a victory tour. Like, I don't even know what it is at this point. It's like, and like, I mean, the perfect encapsulation of this is like Mike Yastrzemski is like their breakout player, right? And then you find out he's 30. Yep. He's and 30. And Austin Slater like and Alex Dickerson, all these guys are like 26. They're old. Yeah. They're old. They haven't been in the big leagues for, for very long. And then, of course, there's players that have been in the big leagues for very long. They've been there the, pretty much the whole decade. Buster yep. Posey, Brandon Bell, uh, you know, Brandon Crawford. Uh, Brandon Crawford. And their big free agent signing is Tommy LaStella, who's 32. So And had one good year that I'm not buying into. Yeah. And uh, I think you, you're probably, you know, correct to, to have your reservations there. And um, Evan Longoria on the bench, man. 
at age 35. This is not what you want. That was a pretty bad contract. Uh, but I, I want to say so. So, uh, Fangraphs released their 40 top 40 prospects for the Giants today, and the the tag the slugger the tagline says, "Recent runs at surprise postseason contention have slowed a rebuild that is now headlined by young Latin American talent." And I want to take I'm I want to take issue with that first statement. Recent runs at a surprise postseason contention have slowed a rebuild. What did they do to slow? They didn't make any aggressive trades. They did nothing. They sat back. I mean, they traded Will Smith. They didn't even trade Will Smith. I mean, maybe that's maybe that's the point that they didn't trade Will Smith for something. I think it's they 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 didn't make trades. They didn't maximize their spot in the draft. Which I I mean, obviously, I, I'm not really a huge fan of uh, tanking, but I think that that you know it it would net you better better prospects okay you know oh, so maybe looking at it from that perspective a, a worse draft pick because you didn't expect to be good do you remember the year that that uh the the i think it was the tigers and the giants were vying for the number one pick record wise and then the, the giants won on the like the last game of the season they won on a walk-off home run by pablo sandoval to clinch the second best record and who did the tigers get casey mize and who did the Giants get? Was it Joey Bart? Yeah, I, I, that's what I'm just saying. I, mean, it, it, I just feel like that that kind of encapsulates what we're talking about. They they have been not a team really you know deserving of, of a, a playoff spot or, or or a team that's in, been in a position to do one. But their their philosophy has been to stick with old guys and go for the playoff spots. So they've had some kind of lucky runs um, in recent years where they found themselves in it later than they anticipated. Like I remember a couple years ago, they were they were. Really debating being uh, buyers at the deadline. And two years that, and last year, both two years in twenty nineteen and twenty twenty, they were both in it. So, and that I remember that being kind of surprising to me both years because uh, it's very clear to me that like if they made the playoffs, if they made the wild card game, in some in some stroke of luck, their team's talent was not good enough to right. propel them. So it, it, it's just a question of what what is a what is a chance at a playoff berth worth to you? Yeah, I mean it depends what it's worth to your franchise. I mean how it's been since have they. They, they, you know, they had a great run, and I, I think it would be really cool to see those guys in the playoffs one last time. Uh, I mean, I, I agree to an extent, but like, at what cost? They're so old. Like, <laughs> Brandon Crawford is thirty four. He's thirty four years old, and you know, Buster Posey's also. That, okay, I thought years you were going to say thirty seven. Thirty four is not that. They're guy. They're productive thirty four year olds. No, I'm okay. Baseball thirty four nowadays is is. If Mauricio Dubon sits and they play, let's see, Wilmer Flores later in the year when he turns 30, I love they're going to have an all-30-year-old lineup. Is that true? Yeah, look at this. The only player under under 30 oh. is Mauricio Dubon. That is not what you want. This is, this is by far the oldest roster in baseball. Their average age is 29.7. And they, their staff is old. Wow, they are old. So it's what's just, going? It's an yeah. old team, and their farm system is, by all respects, middle of the pack. They don't have a top end prospect. Once you look past Joey Bart, uh, Joey Bart, by the way, who is twenty four and a catcher. So um, that clock time. is ticking, and uh, he's going to start the season in the minor leagues because they just signed Kirk Casale to a deal. So make of that what you will. They are manipulating his service time so they can have him when he's like thirty one or something like that. And maybe he'll be moved to first base because his knees are shot at that point. So I don't, I don't really understand. I, I think, um, I think people were really optimistic when Farhan Zaidi came to came to the team and and uh, left the Dodgers because uh, he was viewed as somewhat of a uh, responsible for 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 what was going on in with the Dodgers and their success. But that hasn't really translated. He hasn't. I don't really understand um, the strategy. I mean, obviously they're doing a lot on the international market in terms of scouting and development and. The, um, that stuff really isn't dependent on your record. So um, the major league team product, though, is is concerning. Yeah, agreed. I mean, Farhan, prove us wrong. I just found his LinkedIn page. Hasn't updated in a while. He's still the director of baseball operations at the Oakland Athletics. Did you know he's a PhD in economics? That is I did. I did know that. I remember, I, remember I, I read a profile on him. He seems like a very interesting guy. He really does. A brilliant man. All right, let's talk about those other two chumps in this division. Uh, Diamondbacks. I was interested by the two through five in the lineup of uh, Cattell Marte, maybe not in this order, but David Peralta, Christian Walker, and Eduardo Escobar, because they can all kind of hit. They're they all, can kind of hit. They they're yeah. not they're not bad. They're pretty good. And then Zach, they have Zach Allen, and uh, those those are their guys. 
those are their guys. Um, it, it feels to me like they they have a lot to lose if um, Cattell Marte is not as good as he was in 2019. And all right, if we if you had to put money on it right now, uh, where how good is Cattell Marte? He is not like a seven more player or whatever whatever he was in 2019. He's not an MVP candidate. I don't. But think. is he what he was in 2020? Uh, you know, I mean, I think the cop-out answer is to say it's somewhere in between. Uh, how how much in between it is? Like, is he a two-war player? Is he a four-war player? Is he a five-war player? These these intervals matter for a team that is a uh, kind of lacking star power, like like Arizona. So, yeah, I mean, his power just totally disappeared last year. And uh, he he was walking less, and his defensive stats don't look very good as well. I know he he made a pretty prominent move to center field. So yeah, uh, moving from second base to center field, if you can be a successful center fielder, it really is is a a valuable thing to add to your to your arsenal. So if you like, if you push his twenty twenty season over to the hundred forty four games he played in twenty nineteen, in twenty twenty he would have hit seven home runs compared to his thirty two in twenty nineteen. And uh, that that's a bit shocking, right? So that's, I think when you think uh, yeah, is that, when is you, that when just you a, see somebody yeah. do that and they hit they hit that many home runs in a season, you think they have figured something out. Yeah, and you know what uh, I mean. Yeah, oh, absolutely. It, it, it's a it's a huge question mark now. Did he figure something out, or did he? Uh, and or if he did, whatever he figured out, did the pitchers in turn figure that out? Yeah, I mean that's always a possibility in, in this league. So this is this is a, a pretty pivotal year for him, I would say. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. Prove us wrong, Cattell. I'm sure. Who did I say I'm that sure about he, earlier? Uh, Farhan's AD, you did say that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but but I I think uh, th- that is really going to be the thing that that is this team is hanging their hat on. They don't look like a very um, strong, and uh, they don't look like a strong roster. They, they they haven't they haven't like spent a lot of money this offseason. They've really been very minimalistic in their their approach to to um, adding. I would say this has not been a very inspired offseason for Arizona. Would have to agree. Feels uh, pretty much like we're going to let it burn down and then we'll build it back up when we get the chance. Well, I think what they're trying to do, Tell um, me. and I can't, I can't say for sure, is you know their model would be the Rays, where they play in a division with two you know, powerhouses. powerhouses. Jinx. And they need to find a way to... Just, just work at the margins and 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 get that competitive edge. They have that kind of mentality. They have a very, um, you know, analytically minded front office with Mike Hazen as their GM. So that's the way that they're trying to do it. Uh, it's just clear to me that they they either don't have the resources, the infrastructure to kind of put that into practice. So I, I think um, it is kind of sad to say that uh, what was that year, 2017, that they they made the playoffs, um, the wild card game, and they had. Uh, you know the Archie Bradley Paul triple Gold. game. Yeah, yeah, Archie Bradley. They had they had Zach Greinke. You know, like Patrick Corbin, AJ Pollock had like his best year, and then I think uh, Paul Goldschmidt was was obviously still on the team, and he's like an MVP candidate. And it felt like that was their golden era. That was like the, that was when it was coming together for them. And just the nature of the beast was like the Dodgers were a hundred win team. The Rockies were randomly good that year. Then they got swept by the Dodgers. And then they got swept by the Dodgers. Didn't they? Didn't they trade for JD Martinez that year? No, they did. Yeah, you're right. Wow, I forgot about that. And JD Martinez hit a, hit four home runs in a game randomly in in LA. I remember that too. He had a 170 OPS plus with the Diamondbacks. But yeah, I, I just think that that was uh, they're 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 probably feeling the effects of that. They kept uh, you you would say that like it's it's it'd be surprising if they kept most of those guys. They kept none of those guys. Yeah, they really did. That whole team is gone. Peralta's still there, but but I, I think of those like. Those really key contributors like Granky, Corbin, Pollock, and Goldschmidt. Robbie Ray, Taiwan Walker, Zach Godley, Andrew, Archie Bradley. I mean, all these guys are gone. They're gone. So, so the, the roster is, they're going to have to really try and be frugal, uh, obviously, because I think there are probably some, some ownership-imposed constraints um, financially. So that'll be interesting to see what they do. The, the Rockies, kind of like the reverse Padres, in my opinion. They just... Uh... Made furiously terrible moves. No, they didn't. They made one f- terrible move. And it sucks. I mean, like, 2018, they made the playoffs. They beat the Cubs in the wild card game and then got swept by the Brewers. I'm noticing a pattern here for NL West teams. That Tony Walters moment was awesome. That team, Kyle Freeland, the, the year of Kyle Freeland, uh, he will never, ever be that good again. Never. But, like, it, it's been... 
three this is this is the they made it in 2018 and then 2019 and 2020 were awful and now nolan arenado's gone it's just so sad it was a it was a it was a good team not long ago and maybe it was luck maybe it was maybe i don't know i think the problem with the with the with the rockies is whenever they're good it feels like everything is going right it has to of course no this is the thing they in maybe i'm not maybe i'm you know assuming too much and, and not really looking into how difficult the situation is it is crazy that they basically play baseball in this environment it, yeah it shouldn't be it shouldn't be a thing it shouldn't be a thing like while we let teams have different sized ballparks and that's fun when you say the the game is fundamentally different here that's where i draw the line they're playing a different game they need they need to they need to sign different pitchers and different hitters than <laughs> other teams would because of the way that the game plays and you know in a way you could see this being kind of an advantage for them right that's in the very same way that, that any home park is an advantage for a team because they play there they know it and they can construct their roster based around it like yep. how the yankees you know signed a bunch of power hitters because they play in yankee stadium etc blah 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 this team has been a laggard in these kind of innovations not really just in analytics but really just like roster construction and uh finding a way to maximize the the situation that they're in they haven't been able to do it for decades at this point and it's such it's such a good point because it feels like i've never thought about it from that perspective of but like they could create their own powerhouse in potentially a different way than other teams because the way the 81 games a year are played for them is incredibly different than it is for most other teams Right. So, so, so the things you have to devalue immediately are pitchers who who, who throw for strikeouts, who who, who have high contact. Uh, I mean, like a, you know, high exit velocity, because that that'll yep. kill you. Right. Because the ball the ball breaks less and it you know travels more and it's just it's not a good time. But um, I don't envy the situation that they're in. But at the same time, they're projected to lose 100 games and they have one of the worst farm systems. And then and then Trevor Story disappears next year too. Yeah, there's almost no chance that he stays. Uh, I think their their best bet is probably to trade him if they can. Yep. And, and get get anything for him because I I think just given the the way that the team has handled uh, Nolan Arenado, it seems kind of strange to think that that Trevor Story would want to stay, especially with the, this team has what seems like very very little ambition really, it, just sort of a lack of um, imagination in terms of how they spend their money and how they they construct their roster. So. Uh, if I if I were a star player under a team control contract, I would be counting other days till I could till I could leave Colorado and basically just get to a normal place, you know? Because you, you're, I feel like it's got to be mentally stressful to be wondering like I'm having success, but is it course? Am I actually this good, you know? Like I think you wouldn't you want to go to like a real park and play in different different stadiums all the time that aren't course field just to just to know how good you are. It feels like that would be that no, would weigh I think, on you. If no, 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 no. I don't think that. I I'd think. I'm so good. <laughs> I wouldn't. Why would you question it? Yeah, I'm just so good. You don't need to think about the stadium. You, 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 you know. When Nolan Arnano leaves, maybe the doubt starts to creep in. But for those seven years, he was a king. He didn't think about it. No, I, I don't. I don't think you're right. Okay. No, you're probably right. I think you need to have some kind of like, some kind of delusional overconfidence to be a professional athlete, anyway. Yeah, exactly. That that you you're correct but i think the way that i would think about it just given my own you know neuroses and my 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 condition as a normal person <laughs> but everybody at work is wondering if they're doing a good job you know maybe yep, not these very people, true but uh you know i'm sure everyone does normal folk like us so yeah poor rockies you know if you're a rockies fan i'm sure you you enjoy you know the stadium and the area much more than you enjoy the team's uh output yep exactly right all right that's the division i actually uh when we were talking earlier, I forgot about joining the club entirely. Did you prepare anything? Because I did not. I had a few. I had a few. You want to just run through them quickly and tell me what they are, and then we can get into our draft? Yes, sure. Okay, so we'll start with the Dodgers. Okay. Um, they don't need anyone. Skip them. They don't need anybody. They. This is this is. But I I wanted to try and you know make you a little angry. So it's you? Is it you? It's not me. It's 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 Hector Neris who who had a a pretty average season last season but the one thing that got to me was that his his fip was was really good and his era wasn't very good so well, did you look at the amount of home runs he gave up it was zero it was zero he didn't give up a home run last year i i feel like this is the kind of signing that the dodgers would make 
or the kind of trade that they would make is they would acquire these kind of relievers on the on the on the low, and then it just feels to me like he would be a stud. And make he is a stud team. for the Phillies. He'd be better. He has a Let slider now. Did you see the slider? I don't pay attention to these things, man. You're gonna change have to, a pace I mean, pitch. He's got a third pitch now. He's gonna break it out in the season. It's gonna get hit for like eight home runs in three games. But oh, no. he's got a he's got a slider to go with the fastball and the splitter. The splitter is one of the. It's such a wipeout pitch. Uh, the Dodgers would 100 percent make him better. He would be like their seventh inning guy because they have so many guys. Uh, yeah, it's a good pick, but like, I mean, you could give the Dodgers anyone and they'd still win the division. True. That's that's why I struggle with it. If you had Chris Davis start 162 games at first base, would the Dodgers still win the division? First base is a good position to do it at. Who do they? Who would they lose? I mean, because anybody, it would probably be Chris Taylor or AJ Pollock because Cody Bellinger would go to the outfield, or Max Muncie would move to second base. Yeah, I think it'd probably just be Chris Taylor, and he'd be on the bench all the time. And Chris Taylor for Chris Davis, you'd probably lose, you know, three wins, four wins. Yeah, they, I mean, they, they're projected to win. 104 games and the they might still win 100 win games yeah okay got it they're unbelievable all right go on what else you got for me uh the padres i, I just i feel like the position that they are kind of lacking in is first base i don't really um i think you don't the buy haas, haas no i mean even even when you're like a a decent hitting first baseman your numbers are only going to be so good and plus he he has this very famous one good year, one bad year trend. So I think that trend finally ended. It did end. He had two bad years in a row. I'm looking at it right now. From <laughs> it's not the way you wish 19. it would go. Yeah. And and then his good year at this point, because that's what it is now, is a .9 WAR season. So um, you know, hooray for that Hosmer contract. Uh, you know, the the Padres have made some good moves. They're this is one of the bad that's, ones. Yeah, that's not a good one. Um, so you Jeez, know, I think they're 2025. They should just they should just go all out and trade for like Freddie Freeman or something like that. That would be hot. I'd love that. Mackenzie Gore for Freddie Freeman, who says no. Yeah, I think the Braves would say no. But I, I just uh, some kind of first baseman. I, it just feels like it's not difficult to get good offense at first base. Um, it's grown harder over the years. I mean, they had Mitch Moreland last year. They got him at the deadline, and they they didn't pick up his option this year. So clearly, they feel that it's not that necessary. So. Uh, you know, that was my pick there. And Moreland's a good guy for when there's a DH in the National League. Yeah, which is bizarrely not happening this year. So Unbelievable. Keep going. What do you got for me on the uh, the, the Rockies? The Rockies, um, you know, selfishly, I just wanted Joey Gallo. Yeah. How many do you think he could hit at Coors? This is the thing. How many of his are wall scrapers? Almost none. So I think it might be the same amount. They would just travel really far. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I can get behind that. That would be really fun. And he, he might strike out less because wouldn't, you wouldn't have to deal with all these breaking balls just constantly freezing you because um, everything breaks less. So, you know, that would be fun. There's yeah, probably love no, it. There's, there's no viable paths for, the, for them getting uh, Joey Gallo, unfortunately. Not one. So. They do not have... Trevor Story, maybe. Trevor Story for Joey Gallo. I think... I honestly think that the Rangers would say no. I agree because it yeah. wants half a year of Trevor Story. Uh, Giants? The Giants, um, you know, just going back to that stat of them being the oldest team, I think that they should employ a high schooler and just have him, have him on the 40-man roster to bring the average age down. Cause you, like Eddie Goodell style. Like just yeah, have, just have him there. You know, I mean, okay. you can spare the extra roster spot. I just, I, I don't Why want not to just like someone like Jason Dominguez then? Because then you get a talented major league player. The guy could, you know, we got to see him now. Just, just I don't want to see that number get up to thirty, and, and it feels like where we're going, it it's going to get up there. It might yeah. get to thirty. So that does that was my only thought. You want it, so you just wanted to bring the average. What what, it, what is the end goal? Why are you trying to bring the average age? What does that do for you? It depresses me to see it. It depresses when I look, you. When I look at the Dodgers, uh, the the Giants lineup, I just see I see so many f- figures who I remember being good. Just being bad, like yep. you know, John Johnny Cueto, Buster Posey, Brandon Belt, Brandon Crawford, yeah, um, Evan Longoria, and it 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 in a in a way in a, in a in a low stakes, really not consequential way, it hurts me to see this. It hurts yeah. me to see these players being so so you know bad. So uh, I just as I approach this age, like I'm twenty, I'm twenty four, I'm about to be twenty five. It's it's uh you know I, it's this might be something I grapple with so I just don't I, w- I don't want to see teams being this this old you know what I mean. Will you feel that way? It, so their average age is twenty nine point seven I think you said. When you're twenty nine point eight, 
are you gonna stop caring you still want to see teams when you're when you're 40 are you gonna still want to see young teams is it gonna depress you to see old teams i think it's gonna inspire you to see old teams it'll be like look at what these guys can do it'll flip a switch and i i think um what age will that that flip that switch flip when players that retire start being younger than me yeah good point good point yeah and then you'll be like like nelson cruz will be your favorite player when you're like 38 look at this 40 year old still doing it absolutely absolutely and um any old people listen to this podcast, let us know. When did that, that switch flip? Uh, yeah, any people that listen, actually. No, any to. old people. <laughs> How many 40-year-olds do we have in baseball at this point? We have, like, Rich Hill is going to— Nelson Cruz. I think Adam Wainwright is up there, right? He, yeah, that's a good one. I don't know how old Yachty is either. How old's Pujols? Well, we just 30. played that game the other day of the players from MVP Baseball. True, we did. So Pujols is there. Ali Perez might be up there. Miguel Cabrera. Some guys— Granky, he's not there, but he's close. Oh, Verlander's like 38, right? Verlander's 40, I think. He's 40? Wow. Maybe not. No, no, no. I always get I always think Verlander's older than he is. Yeah. I think he he wants to pitch till he's 45. Like Tom I think Brady's that's style. why I think he's older than he is. Who retires first, Justin Verlander or Tom Brady? Uh Justin Verlander. Alright. Wow. Yeah. I, I just think I think it takes less effort to be a quarterback. Yeah, he's throwing thirty balls every other week. He's throwing thirty balls every week, and uh, yeah, and I mean, obviously people will say like, "Oh, he gets tackled in seconds." First of all, he doesn't. Tom, Tom Brady doesn't because he, you know, we can get into that. But um, I think just the physical exertion. This is going back to kind of that conversation we had about like you know people, pitchers throwing hard. Like Verlander does not throw soft. No, and he just he, he just had Tommy John surgery. He's turning thirty eight, or he is thirty eight, and uh, it just it feels like the body can only take that for so long. So for me, it seems more plausible that a like. A 45-year-old quarterback could exist, then it does that a 45-year-old starting pitcher could exist. Yeah, all right. Let's uh, ask Nolan Ryan, but let's keep moving on. Uh, the Who do we leave out? The Diamondbacks? Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is simple. They have Josh Ro- Rojas projected as their second baseman, and I said, give him, give him Ozzie Albies, you know, whatever. They just, sure. they just need They need some star power on the position player side. That's that's my feeling. I, I Nick think, Ahmed, uh, Ozzie Albies, I like it up the middle. Nick Ahmed used to be... a terrible hitter so um still is kind of nothing changed he's not terrible he's fine oh really he's fine no, he's, good been, for he's him. been better That's oh you're right thing. i forgot about that yeah good for him figuring it out love to see yeah. a glove first guy get a bat and uh he's still he's still like a tremendous defender so um that's that's my pick there all right that was great um yeah i think i just got a little too excited about our draft so just to, to sum it up l- last week we talked about uh being good at very specific things which javi baez taught us right like how he is just such a good slider. We talked about how he's also such a good tagger, which I'm not sure I knew you could be good at until he was good at it. Um, and then we discussed Jacoby Ellsbury being great at catcher's interference. So we're going to we're gonna draft uh, very specific and random things that you would want to be good at or would want someone to be good at in the major leagues. Is that a fair synopsis of what we'll be doing? I think I think that's fair. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna flip a coin for for first pick because I want it. Uh, heads or tails? I'm I'm not gonna lie though. Heads, heads, heads. Flipping the coin on Google. It's tails. I swear. Do you want me to send you a Shh. screenshot? I believe it. Go All ahead. Right. What do you got? All right, my first overall pick of what I want someone to be very good at is hidden ball tricks. If somebody could perfect a hidden ball trick to a point where they could get two a year unbelievable i i wouldn't if they could i don't know how they do it because it's very contingent also on the runner it's also contingent on what the pitcher's doing on the mound to make it look convincing there's a lot of things at play Mm -hmm. but if you could be unbelievable at a hidden ball trick which probably the most fun out in baseball I, i would bow down and worship you it feels like players should be taught this or taught how to be better at it like if somebody if someone was I think runners are too alert. That, that's another part of it. If someone ever does this more than once, like let's exactly. say exactly, you get a reputation, and no one's ever taking a lead on you again, yeah. or or they're, or they're 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 waiting till they see the ball in the pitcher's hand. They're being extra cautious. Um, but I agree. If you could get that extra out on the base path, if somehow there's there's a first baseman who can really just reliably make it look like he's throwing the ball away and keeping it. That is a great skill to have. Or a pitcher who could step off the mound. This is, I guess, a different one. Maybe I should save that. No, I'll say it. Like a pitcher who could step off the mound, fake a throw to first, and then 
have his first baseman and right fielder go looking for the ball while people keep running for it. So like, you're not going to know, did this guy pick me off or was there a, a trick play on? Maybe trick plays is the better way I should say that. Hidden ball tricks and sleight of hand. If you could do this reliably, which I think we, as we've discussed, probably can't happen. Probably impossible. This would be, this would be good. Right? This would be good. Yeah, you would get a lot out of this. I'm curious, when you think of hidden ball trick, is there a player that pops into your mind? For me, it's obvious. Mike Lowell. He only did it once. I, like, it, it got I just to the point the clip, where I yeah. Would, yeah, exactly. Where I was so convinced he'd done it multiple times because I so associated it with him, uh, him with hidden ball tricks. Uh, he only did it once, but so, uh, pretty so legendary. You're speaking, to, you're speaking to the power of reputation. Where yeah, exactly. He, this guy did it once, and he's only yeah, he's only done it once. So I mean, hit MLB runners would probably be the same. Yeah, exactly. All right, what what what's your first pick? I think if you were a pitcher, okay, and you were really good at giving up ground rule doubles instead of actual doubles. Wow. Like let let let's say every every single double you gave up was a ground rule double, like off the top, like hits the warning track and goes over the fence. You'd probably save a lot of runs. Yeah, first to th- first to home. Yeah, you'd save some runs. So I think that is a good one to have, and that, that I'm sticking to it. So they still go. It's it's instead of of doubles, not instead of home runs, right? It's not like no home runs happen at the same frequency because if the ball goes over the fence, it goes over the fence. It's just that if it's a double. It goes over the wall. So is there an advantage? Probably not. But why not have really short outfield walls? You might give up more line drive home runs that your outfielders can't get to, but if they can reliably stand at the wall and make the fly ball catch, even though it would be a home run, they can still get to the warning track and make the fly ball catch. But that, yeah, you'll probably just give up more home runs. Because, yeah, I, I was trying to talk myself out of the more home runs thing. But you just give up more home runs. Well, this very famously happened in the 2004 ALCS. And, um, you know, Tony Clark hit, hit a double into the right field in, in Fenway Park. Fenway Park, very short fences. I'm very short. Pa- yeah, probably the shortest. Would have scored a run. Would have kept the Yankees in the lead. Where they would have had an extra run when Mariano Rivera gave up that that uh, that lead uh, with that Dave Roberts deal. And you know what? They might have won the fucking World Series that year, and we might still be talking about a Red Sox curse. Who knows? So I I don't know. Um, that that is a, a pretty clear example to me of how that this rule really benefited a team. It basically broke yeah. the Red Sox curse. The fact that they have such short walls in Fenway Park and right field. So something to think about. Teams, follow. Yeah, no, I love that. That's a really good one. Round two, I want a catcher who is incredibly good at backpicking. I, I think a backpick is my favorite player in playing baseball, um, and I think maybe you'd start to learn not to take a lead off this guy. I think that's the problem with all of these. If you get a reputation at being good at something, unlike Javi with sliding and tagging, there's nothing you can do because he's good at these things, and more with these things that we're discussing, uh, there are things you can do. But with I, personally... I can confidently say a backpick from a catcher is my favorite play in baseball. It is always unexpected. It is always exciting whether they are out or safe. Uh, if if I had a catcher who could reliably get out via backpicks and you were always kind of in the back of your mind thinking, maybe that guy's getting too far off first and that he could he could strike at any time, uh, I, I'd love to see that. Yeah, I mean, it's intangibles like this that are going to get Yadier Molina into the Hall of Fame. So Yeah, exactly. Don't sell this shirt. He was, I think he was kind of feared on that level when, you know, just in his prime, like early early 2010s and last decade before that, he there were, there were times where he would make these kind of like absolutely insane pickoff plays where he would, like there'd be a ball in the dirt and he would just like scoop it up like he's a first baseman and then just throw people out from his knees at first base. So... I wish it could be its own stat. Right? I don't know how it's currently scored. Like, is it is it a caught stealing? I think it's technically a caught stealing. Like, yeah, how do you I, write it on the scorecard? I, I don't know if you just write, like, 2-3 put out, because it doesn't feel like it's a regular put out. No. Um, but I, I, I wish it could be its own statistical category, because I, I think uh, it would just be fun. It, you know, uh, not a play that happens too often, but when it does, one of my favorites. Absolutely. I, I definitely agree with that. All right. What do you got for round two? Okay, so you know we talked about it last week, but I'm gonna take the catcher's interference, and um, yep. I I just want to underline the importance of this. If you could get away with this all the time, it's a get out of jail free card when you're having a bad at bat. Oh, too. 
yeah, you're 0-2, you're against a tough pitcher, you just you just you nick the glove a little bit. It's a free base. It's it's honestly almost a bit of a it's a bit of a flaw in MLB's rule book. Like when 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 Jacoby Ellsbury is doing that all the time, you're not thinking like, oh, Jacoby Ellsbury deserves a free base. Nope. Doesn't that seem like too steep of a punishment for, for such a thing for the catcher putting his glove out? Sounds like a foul ball. Far? Foul ball to me. Or or like an extra ball if if you're gonna if you want to pun- if you want to penalize the the pitching team for the catcher's you know transgression can't the catcher just move back I mean like isn't this who's to blame or benefit This is what I'm trying to say I don't really think that the catcher the catcher is standing up close because they want to catch it out in front of the plate as quick as possible to get the strike call and that is an instinct that I think is probably correct and. Standing farther back, just um, it, it, it increases the chance of the ball going in the dirt. And some catchers, just ha- they have comfort, right? So I think as long as the catcher is standing in, like, you know how they outline the box, the, the batter's box and behind sure. that is the catcher's area. As long as he's standing in that box, that designated area, this shouldn't be an issue. And I, I think the fact that it is, is, is it, it just feels like a, it, I mean, obviously, it's never going to be really addressed because this is not a prominent rule like this yep. doesn't happen it's it's only funny because jacoby ellsbury did it like a couple times in a season and has done it a few times in his career and whenever it happens people just kind of like they're like oh catcher's interference he gets the base but have you ever really thought about how that's kind of weird that he they get a base for that what did he do yeah that's one of those where I, i'd love to know the origin like how bunting with two strikes had to be made because people would just keep bunting and keep fouling pitches off until they got something they wanted to see I'd love to know the origin of why, of what catchers were doing, or uh, were catchers, like, like, think about it, if we think about, like, the logical reason of what would happen, were catchers, like, purposely putting their glove in the way of batters to make yeah. it so they'd make worse contact, and they had to say, stop doing this, we'll give the batter a base? Doesn't it feel like that was something that was an issue? It, it really it feels do, it like... It has to. And then batters were like, fuck yeah, I can just take long, loopy swings, and and get a base is there a, is there a swing that an umpire would call a batter out on similar like a leaning into a hit by pitch where it's just like the most obvious catcher's interference swing i think if that back foot moves back a little bit and you and it's just clear that you're taking like a cricket shot like a back foot shot you're just yeah. like you're trying to you're trying to cut back like that that might lead to some something but for the most part this feels like a really batter heavy rule like if i think yeah if you, if you if you sense the catcher kind of creeping up a little bit, like he's maybe he's he's trying to call a breaking ball and he's trying to get up so it doesn't go in the dirt, maybe I'm swinging back a little bit just that's in case. What I'm, like, I'm not trying to hit him, but like if, if I hit him, so what? If I hit him, I get a base. Yeah, that's great. Exactly. That is so a that's great what I'm point. Picking. Yeah, that's a great pick. In our last round, I've got a few here that I'm kind of picking between. I'm trying to think of what would be the most fun. Let's go with uh, scaling walls. So just. <laughs> A guy who can either in fair territory or foul territory really get up a padded wall really well to make incredible rob like Gary Matthews Jr. robbing home run catches on a more frequent basis. You know, like Lorenzo Cain is great at a at a catch where he's just kind of, he, he jumps and perfectly times it and robs it right. But like, some, I love a, a home run where a guy has a foot on the wall. And I think if you could get really good at getting higher off the wall, I don't know how many home runs you could save, but if you could save, if you could make that play a little more consistently because of your ability to kind of like cleat into a padded wall or or whatever it is, to be able to scale that, I, I, I'd be really into that. This is one of those things that when you are kind of a... Uh, a more, you know, nascent baseball fan when I'm younger and I see balls go like two feet over the wall yeah and someone doesn't catch it and the announcer doesn't they don't they don't make a big deal out of it they're like oh it's a wall scraper home run my instinct is like why isn't he catching that ball that's what i'm saying my like i'm like a dumb young kid i'm just like why why aren't they just like climbing up the wall and you know like afterwards you figure out that that's it's very difficult it's difficult to find out the the trajectory of a ball like where it's going to go exactly that's what made that gary matthews catch and some of mike trout's better catches that's what that's what made them so great is that they got up so high and you know it's it's improbable it's difficult but if someone was able to do this i do feel like there are enough home runs that that are at that kind of like wall scraper territory where they're not catchable 
they're not robbable, but they're not that far out. And if, if someone was able to scale the wall like that, you would be able to save a few. And I think you'd play this outfielder deeper than you play most other outfielders. You'd give up more. He'd be a no doubles outfielder, but also a no home runs outfielder. You'd allow the extra singles to come in and, and land short because you're going to save those home runs, those occasional home runs because of his wall scraping ability. All right, give me your last one. Okay, so we hear a lot about, you know, pitchers and their their spin rate. Spin rate is um, kind of a, a new you know, phenomenon where, where pitchers are using it and it correlates with missed bats and strikeouts. I say, wh- what if there was a batter who could get like an enormous spin rate off the bat and all of his ground balls are like that backyard baseball power-up where the ball is just like crazy and it bounces. What an idea. So, so like every ground ball is an adventure with this kind of hitter. Every single in the outfield is an adventure. Because the outfitter, like, it, it's good. he's going to look like Trent Grisham on that Juan Soto single a couple years ago. It wasn't a bad hop. You went and watched the tape? No, no. <laughs> go watch the tape. I'm telling you, man. If you watch it, you can see he's set for the ball to go one way. But this is kind of like what would happen if the hitter was like that. It would just absolutely blow him by. And, you know, an extra run scored in that instance. If this was a ground ball scenario, I think, you know, infielders would hate playing against this guy. And he might have a lot of... He'd have an incredible Babbitt, first of all, probably up to like 400, 500 maybe. And that that seems like if, if all other things are equal and he's a major league average hitter, he'd be pretty good. Yeah, that is a, a phenomenal idea. That is very fun. A guy who can just spin the baseball off the bat. Um, you, I had to Google it, but you're referring to the crazy bunt. Um, the crazy bunt. <laughs> and while we're at it, if anybody could be good at... Uh, you're also, I, you, I think you're a little bit a combination of the crazy bunt and the zigzag pitch. Um, yes. No, it is the zigzag pitch, but I... I, I you want the zigzag right. pitch for a batter. For batters, correct. Yeah. yeah. And while we're at it, though, like if you could have an undergrounder where you're hitting the ball under the ground and it just pops up in a random location... It's a wrap. Yeah, it's a wrap. Yeah, that, that, that's a pretty good uh, specific thing to be good at, too. No, I love that. I, the, the corkscrew. One of, my, one of the most fun plays in baseball... It's always a highlight that lasts for a day, but you'll never remember it really much past that day. Is the the ball off the end of the bat that starts in foul territory and then it spins back into fair territory? Yeah. It is always yeah. fun. It's a great time. And if you could do that, like at the pitcher, but then like curve just like between the first baseman and se- like, yeah, that would be that'd be awesome. It feels like in another world where they're they're making like different kind of bats that can yep. do this, and people hitters can control the the spin and the trajectory of their balls a little more. So. It might it might kind of be a mess and pitching might like never be able to adapt to that really but or fielding or fielding yeah for that matter so that would be interesting and I think it might encourage people to put balls in play more it could kind of swing the way that that baseball's played cuz balls in play would be more more of a short thing and less of a short thing out would have to agree uh, I'm just going to quickly say the other things I wrote down on my big board uh, I don't think I don't know if they're worth talking about but infield hits which isn't that unrealistic to be honest uh, pitch outs resulting in outs and hiding illegal substances. Well, that that is something that you, you honestly don't need at this point. As long yeah, as you're, you're not, as long as you're not Michael Pineda and you're like, you know, drinking this stuff and on the mound or whatever, <laughs> you're fine. They're not gonna, they're not gonna do anything about it. Yeah, very true. Do you have anything else on your big board? Yeah, I had a hitter who could hit the ball off the base a lot, since that seems to cause a lot of strange confusion. And great idea. In, in fields, just a great but, idea. I just don't really know how much that would gain because if you're hitting any of the bases, the ball's probably going in the outfield just the way that it's positioned. The only thing I could think of is if there's an infield shift and your shortstop or your second baseman is kind of right behind the base and um, then it kind of fucks them up. Yeah, how often is hitting the base an advantageous thing? That's that's what tripped me up there, but I, I had the thought. Let's uh, let's wrap it up. Let's, uh, we'll, we'll find our way back to the NL West uh, in a very unnatural fashion by just saying we're going to find our way back to the end. NL West. I don't know. Is it obvious? Is it not obvious? What do you think? Well, the, you know, the first two and the last ones are obvious. I think it, it's it's just a matter of where the Giants and, and the D-Bucks finish. So I, I, I almost feel like that game is not very fun. I tend to agree. Because those teams are going to probably win like 75, 80 games, if, if I had to say. Do you think, do you honestly think that the Padres can win this division? Yeah. I mean, it it, it would take a few injuries from the, the, the Dodgers. It would take a lot of bad luck, and it would take probably a lot on their side. But we have to say that I, I mentioned that the you know 
the the Dodgers being projected for 104 wins is their 50th percentile outcome. The Padres' 50 percentile outcome is 95 wins. They could be a 100-win team too. We really just don't know. They could both be 100-win teams, yeah. They could. So and, and then when you get there, it's kind of like slim margins at that point. So if the Dodgers do have a couple injuries, pitching injuries maybe, or, or um, they lose some key players, it's possible. It is possible. Yeah, I'm still gonna go. I'm gonna go with the with a, assuming a healthy team and and just and and say that it's Dodgers, Padres, D-backs, Giants, Rockies. Yeah, that's exactly what I have. Yeah, cool. The only other question I have, which uh, I think in a correct me if I'm wrong, but in a in a regular season, uh, two teams in the same division play each other 18 times. Does that sound right to you? That sounds right. Yeah. What is the the Dodgers and Padres records against each other? Oh, this is good. Um, I mean, I want to say nine and nine. I want to, I, I feel like that's what I want to say, but you know, you have to give the edge to the better team. So I'll say like 11 and seven for the Dodgers. I'm going to say that the, the Dodgers have a, the better season and end with the better record, but I think the Padres are going to uh, win 10, eight, 10, eight. I mean, it's, it's, it's plausible. They're, they're, they match up. And then we'll have some great narratives going into that NLDS where it's like the Padres won the season series, but the Dodgers were the better team. Who will be? That's very NBA, honestly. I mean, this is this is the thing, right? We're looking forward to these season series for the next five years or so. It's it's going to be absolutely tremendous to watch. It makes tonight. me want to move to the West Coast so I don't have to be up till one in the morning, but like, I'm just going to have to accept that I'm going to be up till one in the morning. Und- underrated part of being on the West Coast is getting West Coast baseball, I will say. Yeah, you really do get it. I mean, like, do you get, do you start like do you stop working around four and start watching East Coast baseball? Don't maybe don't admit it. Yeah, I mean, we we would have the game on. We'd have the game on for sure. And then on the weekends, man, you get games at like ten in the morning. Do you like that? I like it. I mean, I'm not. I'm not. I don't sleep that late. So if a game's on at ten, I've probably been up for an hour or two as is. So it's just kind of a, a relaxing thing to have around. That's really nice. Yeah, I'm un, I'm very unfamiliar with the ten a.m. game. Um. I think I'd like it, but I also sometimes sleep past 10, so maybe I will. Very fair, very fair. All right, this was a, a fun one. We, we we did it. We finished the divisional season previews. I have no idea where we're going from here. I don't either, but it was fun. It was really fun, and I think we'll figure it out. Uh, have you been watching spring training? No. I, I mean, we could talk about this. I, I, I just don't – I find it very hard to get invested very hard and i just try to save my my investment for the regular season so it's it's for me it's like i see clips i see people freaking out about highlights like if like you know a, a prominent player does something like otani does something and Tati you see javi bias between the legs i did see it see i see things like that i see it on twitter but i'm never i'm maybe one yankee game i'm putting on just to get the feeling of, of watching a baseball game after so many months but after that, I really can't be bothered because it feels like the players I want to see are going to play for two innings and then number 96 or whatever is going to throw four innings. And Yeah, it's number 96, but like when I, we've gotten, when you like start to realize, like, I don't know, at least for me, we, we I've gotten more into baseball. And when you start to realize, okay, number 96 is like the 47th man on the 40 man. Maybe he's got a shot of making it. Maybe he's an interesting prospect who's toolsy. You're like, all right, I can stick around for another inning to see what he's got. Yeah, sure. I mean, it it would help if the Yankees had like some good prospects that that I need to that I need to see. Like Jason Dominguez isn't going to play right. in spring training, and um, you've you seen know, a lot ha- of the guys play in the majors too. Exactly. Yes. I mean, like David Garcia, Clark Schmidt. I've, Did Estevan Florial make a? I've. I mean, I've, he's been around in spring training's past for yeah. for a long time at this point. So I'm excited about him. But you wouldn't have seen him. Uh, well, I, I have seen him just because whenever I tune into a spring training game, like the 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 aberrant game, he's there. He's right. there. You see him once a year, and you're like, all right, I get it, Florio. Yep. <laughs> Maybe I'll see you next year. <laughs> cool. All right. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, go!